This week, we learned that Kim Jong Nam, the brother of Kim Jong Un, exiled uh, older brother, half brother, who was killed in a weird situation in the airport by being poisoned, was a CIA informant. Yes, he was working for the man, spying on his brother. At least six college basketball programs will be notified this week of major NCAA violations and lightning strikes and motorists in Florida, which caused him to crash and to die. All very bad things. And those stories, all fairly big stories this week, all important stories, but not quite on par to be top 10 material for this week. So what stories did make a top 10 for this week? We'll find out in mere moments on The Wrap-Up Show with Jay Cleveland Payne. This is the show for the week ending June the 15th, 2019. And welcome to the show. I am, as already stated, Jay Cleveland Payne. And this show is called The Wrap-Up Show. The Wrap-Up Show is brought to you by The Conversation Project. And this is TheConversation.com where we try to have the best conversations with the best conversationalists across the world. And while that may not be a true word, we still try to do it every single week, every single day, actually. In fact, every day on our social media feeds, every hour or every 50 minutes to be exact, we post a new news story from various sources. Some of them, the ones that you love, some of the ones that you hate, but they really are legit. Some of them, we question ourselves, but the stories are just too it's just too tough to, to, to back away from. And we post those stories and you get a chance to vote on them by engaging with them on your social media. It's very simple. You like, love, hate, share, reply. Do whatever you can do to engage with the social media, engage with the stories as they come down. And at the end of the week, this Friday, Friday as we record this on the 14th, we will take the scores from the Facebook and the Twitter and put them into a spreadsheet that weighs them out and gives us a grand total and rank them from top to bottom. This time, we're ranking totals from all the way from number one to all the way down to 213. 213 distinct different stories posted this week in the conversation. We thank you so much for being a part of all of them, or most of them. Not many people are part of the lower ones. We'll get to that in a moment. Actually, we'll get to that in about 30 minutes, because the first segment, the top 10 stories, are done in about 30 minutes. We'll count them down from 10 to 1. When these are the stories that you said, based on your response, are the biggest stories of the week, the ones worth talking about, even if breaking news got stuck on other stories. And some of the breaking news did get into a lot of the stories this week, but some of them are a little off-kilter, and that comes from you guys. The script is all written by you, so we go with the script. The story at the very bottom of the list today, the almost relevant story at 2.13, did get discounted by you, but mostly because of a timing thing. And we'll explain that in the same segment, segment two, where we do the housekeeping, how that works out. But the story at the very bottom of the list, and lately, those stories have not been so irrelevant, but they just turn up at the bottom. And so we'll give you an explanation on what it is and why it may not be as irrelevant as the numbers suggest. Segment number three, we wrap things up with our shout-outs. We talk about the people who showed us extra love inside of Facebook and Twitter. And, of course, we round out the top 15. Those are stories, some of which you heard in the tease, that didn't quite make it into the top 10. We'll give you some background on those stories, or why they were kind of important, and maybe why they got snubbed for this week. So, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get into this week's program. But first, a quick reminder about how things work overall here. And of course, this is a conversation and the conversation project is journalism. You may think it's kind of cheating by aggregating other stories, but it is, in effect, a way of getting the news out to people. And that takes resources and time. And so we are asking for help 
in resources and time. So you will hear various advertisements inside of this inside of this program. If you hang out with those sponsors, do stuff for those sponsors, reach out to those sponsors, that helps us out immensely. Also, check out the sponsors at the website, this is a conversation.com and check out our featured sponsor for this week and maybe they can help you out. That helps as well. And of course, we have our Patreon site, which is patreon.com slash this is conversation. If you want to be a sponsor, a full-time sponsor of the show, we would appreciate it. And starting next month, when everything rolls together, we're going to start having a segment in the shout-outs that goes to the patrons. Uh, we'll not sure we'll do it monthly or weekly, but we'll have a shout-out at least once a month to the patrons who help this thing go along. So now, without much more further ado, and actually no ado at all, let's get into the top 10 stories for this week. Two summers ago, it seemed like we were preparing for war with North Korea, and this summer seems like the preparation is about a war for Iran. While we didn't go to war with Korea, now, of course, our president is very good friends with the president of North Korea, and we'll talk more about him in a bit. We're not getting that friendly with the Iranians, and this is a story which has turned into something that is maybe all about the escalation that we're talking about these days. Here's the headline we posted on Thursday, June the 13th. New U.S. Navy aware of reported attack on tankers in Gulf of Oman. Now, this story got updated quite a bit because it was real serious news. And this is how the headline turned into the same link we started with uh, yesterday as we recorded this program. U.S. blames Iran for a blatant assault on oil tankers in Gulf of Oman. So I'll now read a few lines from this story as it's been updated quite a few times over the last 24 hours. An American guided missile destroyer was sent to assist two burning tankers in the Gulf of Oman following what the Trump administration on Thursday described as, quote, blatant assault, unquote, by Iran. Following attacks that could further inflame tensions between Washington and Tehran, the U.S. Bainbridge was dispatched to help the damaged Japanese and Norwegian vessels, according to the 5th Fleet spokesperson commander Josh Frey. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said the weapons used and previously threats issued by Iran point to Tehran as the culprit. Quote, it is, assess- it is the assessment of the United States government that the Islamic Republic of Iran is responsible for the attacks that occurred in the Gulf of Oman today. Unquote. Deeper and deeper and deeper we can go into this story. And all the links to every single story we have are at our website for today's posting for the for the podcast. So go to this week's podcast at thisisaconversation.com. You can see deeper details of the stories we're reading from. Now, more breaking news that happened about a few hours before we started recording this. Uh, there was an official tape, I'll say official tape, not really official tape, but tape released to news sources that showed Iranian boats, Iranian boats uh, essentially going to the tankers that were on fire and removing something from the side of the tankers. And it seemed like the, what they were removing were mines. So a mine was basically what the tankers hit in the Gulf, and they were removing mines that did not blow up, so there would be less obvious evidence that Tehran was behind this. As you would suspect, the video is kind of grainy, and you have to sort of interpret that something was being taken off. I think the Iranians said it was some sort of foreign debris or something like that and so we'll see what goes along with this one as this one hopefully doesn't go to escalation anytime soon moving on to the story the number nine position and it's kind of odd that we're saying this because this is normally would tell you about 
the bump in response. That's how much more responsive people were to this story than the last story, which would give you reason why it's a higher Reddit story. This one is a virtual tie. It's a tie directly in the number of responses when weighed with the totals from Facebook and Twitter. It gets a bump slightly because of the engagement on Facebook. We'll explain that away in the housekeeping segment on why it's not just a straight-up tie. But the number nine story with basically a 0% bump in response with the two, but slightly more engaged on Facebook, is a headline of this. Perrette says she won't return to NCIS because she's terrified of Mark Harmon. USA Today is the source from this one. Oh, by the way, the source from the other story was uh, NBC News. That's said the source for this one was USA Today, and Saturday, June the 8th was the day this was posted. We'll read a few lines from the story, and it's been updated a few times as well because her story hasn't changed, but she has basically sort of clarified where she was going. But this is the story as it sits now on this date. Polly Perrette says she will never return to NCIS, and she says that's because of her former co-star, Mark Harmon. The actress, 50, took to Twitter Friday to say she is terrified of Harmon, 67, who has a leading role in the criminal investigation series. Here's her tweet. No, I am not coming back ever. Please stop asking. I am terrified of Mark and him attacking me. I have nightmares about it. I have a new show that is safe and happy. You'll love it. Happy place, it's a hashtag, love y'all. Perrette, who played forensic scientist Abby Shuto, departed the series after 2018 after 15 years of the show. In a follow-up tweet, she further state- shared photos of alleged crew member of eye beaten up and it being in stitches. Now, go to the website and read deeper, and literally read deeper into the story. Essentially, she accused Mark Harmon of some very bad activity, uh, literally assaulting people on the set, and that's one of the main reasons why she left the show. Although, if you like the show and understand how these things work, the characters are beloved, and she was a beloved character, but apparently she, working with the character played by Mark Harmon, wasn't very harmonious to her actual health. So that's why she left, and this is why she's saying she's never, ever, ever getting back together with Mark Harmon, at least on, well, pretty much ever, but definitely not in this show. Let's move to a story that actually has a bump in response today, and it's 0.37%, just slight. And that is the eighth story this week, and this is the headline, Once a Book-Selling Giant, Barnes & Noble Sold to Hedge Fund. ABC News is the source for this story, the link we have, the copy. It was posted on Friday, June the 7th. Here's a few lines from the story as it is now. Barnes & Noble is being acquired by a hedge fund for $476 million and will be taken private. The national chain that many blame for the demise of independent bookstores has been ravaged by Amazon.com and other online sellers, but remains a critical outlet for publishers. On Friday, it was acquired by Elliott Management and, in a twist, will likely become a national chain with a business model more akin to that of local bookstores. Elliott bought Waterstones a year ago, a national UK book chain that has successfully navigated through the online e-reader revolution by returning to a lot of autonomy to its managers of its nearly 300 stores who can select books that they believe local readers want. The man who runs that UK chain, who will become CEO of Barnes & Noble, said that is what he has in mind for Barnes & Noble. Leonard Riggio acquired the centuries-old Barnes & Noble in the 1970s, including its flagship Manhattan store. 
He pursued aggressive expansion throughout the 1980s and established Barnes & Noble as a national phenomenon with the acquisition of B. Dalton Bookstores and its 797 locations in 1987. It became the nation's second largest bookseller and began selling books online in a partnership with IBM and Sears. The company continued to gobble up other booksellers like Doubleday Bookshops and also Bookstop, which also ran discount superstores in Texas. By 1993, Barnes & Noble was a publicly traded company that was upending the publishing industry. The company tried hard to ride the digital transformation of books, rolling out its own e-reader, The Nook, in 2009 and offering more than a million books in its website. But Amazon.com, which began as an online marketplace for books, was relentless and its Kindle e-readers is dominant today. The company has cut the sales of both Barnes and & Nobles and independent booksellers alike. So deeper into the story here is essentially the Barnes & Noble curse, which is uh, what it's done. It's basically the Walmart curse. Walmarts come in and they undercut all the local mom-and-pop stores that do discount stuff. And so the only people that compete with Walmarts are national chains who have the national backing. Same thing with Barnes & Noble. Although there were other national chains that stuck around long enough, mostly because of the ability to actually congregate there. But as more digital sales were being made and just cheaper in general, uh, although a place to congregate is great, having a place for cheaper stuff is great as well. We all know the famous demise of Borders and, of course, Books A Million, which is apparently doing okay, but it was not quite as big as the bookstore Barnes & Noble was. Barnes & Noble, a big-time neighborhood community gathering place at this point and it looks like it'll continue to be that way as there aren't as many smaller independent bookstores but this might mean another boon for smaller bookstores as well as they compete at least on that mindset with the new Barnes and Noble next story we go to is in the seventh spot this week and that story has this headline Lions might have escaped the Kruger National Park. Friday June 7th the day we posted that one a bump in response of 5.49%. We'll go ahead and read a few lines from this one, and we got it from CNN.com. South African officials warned residents to beware of 14 lions that might have escaped from a national park Thursday. The pride fled from Kruger National Park, one of Africa's largest game reserves, at over 7,500-plus square miles, and were spotted in the town of Flaborwa, near a mine, local officials said. In a tweet, the province of Limpopo's governments urged mine workers and residents to stay alert once and if they're captured by authorities. They'll be released back into the reserve. Uh, there's not much to this story. Uh, some details from it, including there are about 2,000 lions on the actual reserve, and it's not quite sure how this pride of lions, how this family got out of the reserve. And about uh, two people were killed inside the park in the last two months because of large cats so you can see more details of the story by going to the link there's actually not that much in there it's a fairly simple story and i don't have an update in this story on what exactly happened but they were warned that a private alliance might have escaped they couldn't count on them and they may have wandered into town and they may be dangerous if you were happened to come upon them i think all those things are not maze except for the where they were pretty much sure if you've been waiting for the Incredible Whopper to show up in your uh, 
your location, then you're not alone. And the because of that, the stock prices on these not-quite-beef things are going up. In fact, that is the headline in number six spot. Beyond Meat Stock Price, Plant-Based Meat Company Rallies on Earnings. Friday, June the 7th, the day that was posted as well, a bumpy response from the seventh story of 3.82%. This story sourced this from the Business Insider website, and we're going to read a bit from that one as well. That's what we do. We read from the stories. Beyond Meat shares soared by nearly 30% Friday after the company released its first quarterly earnings report as a public company for evening prior. The plant-based burger company, which debuted on the public market last month in a blockbuster initial public offering, reported a slightly smaller than expected loss per share as well as revenue that topped expectations. Beyond Meat is in the early stages of growth, the company said, focusing on efforts to increase brand awareness, launch new products, and meet the demand for plant-based meat alternatives. Shareholders in a 10-year-old company based in El Segundo, California, have been rewarded since May's IPO. It was the first offering to soar by more than 100% in the first trading day of the year, according to the logic, logic, something like that, coming amid a mixed slew of stock market debuts. The stock is now up by about 400% from its IPO price of $25. Some Wall Street analysts were particularly upbeat about the results. Credit Suisse analysis, for their part, upped their price target to $125 a share from $70 and significantly hiked their sales estimates. So read more about Beyond Meat and their IPO by clicking the link inside of our website for this week's podcast, and you can get deeper into the story. Now, the big thing that basically is leading the the big move by uh, by the company is the fact that they're moving their lines of products into actual restaurants, and people are apparently buying them. Uh, A&W's and Burger King, of course, are most notable right now, and there's basically stretching across their, their nation, stretching across the nation across their, their affiliates. But the big thing is the burgers taste like beef. Now, caveat, that doesn't mean they're necessarily that much better for you because they have to add a lot of things, just like fat-free things have things added. Sugar-free things have fat added, and fat-free things have sugar added. There's a lot of things in too that make them you know, almost as bad as a regular burger, and they cost an extra dollar more. So your mileage may vary on your impossible burger once you actually get a chance to taste one. There's not one yet in this market, so I've not tasted one yet, but everyone I've talked to said they basically can't really tell, even in the places where they were, they were replacing real meat for them when they really couldn't tell because they weren't real meat. Now, if you think the number six story was a sponsorship drop, then you'll probably be a bit suspicious about the number five story, especially if I tell you the sources from the Daily Beast. But it is not. This was an actual news story posted by the Daily Beast. We popped it in there. And apparently, because Father's Day is literally days away, two days from as I record this, a day from its release, apparently it popped up in a lot of people's feeds. The headline, Gillette launched the world's first heated razor today, and it's a perfect Father's Day gift. As I said, you can blame the Daily Beast for its blatant ad placement because I got nothing from it. Monday, June the 10th, the day we posted, and a bump in response from the sixth story of 3.34%. So what it is is essentially a extended press release, because these things are, on a new product. And the product is a heated razor, and it does a whole lot of great things. It doesn't you know, drive your car. It won't change the baby's diapers. Uh, it probably won't do your taxes, but 
It's the world's first luxury heated razor as it's described. And there's bits and pieces of how, what it does and things going on. Uh, the heat settings are adjustable. It's only $200, only $200, and released just in time for Father's Day if you want to grab that itself. We're not going to go deeper into this one, and I'm probably not getting one of these myself. And as I said, this is not an endorsement. This is not a sponsored product placement this was an actual story out there that we dropped into the feeds and you guys loved it so if you want more stories like this or want to get more stories like this on respond to them in kind if you want less of these then respond to them in kind remember you get your stories and your votes in by simply following us on social media on Facebook, it's This Is A Conversation. On Twitter, it's TH underscore conversation. Click on the links as they come through your feed every 50 minutes or so, and you can vote your way to see what stories make it into the list. This week's, it seems like a bunch of product placement because this one is right in time, of course, for Father's Day. Let's move on to the next story. That story is in the four spot this week. This was some serious breaking news that found a way to scuttle many of the, the planned big stories going on, including a lot of stuff happening in Capitol Hill because it was live. It was uh, it was frightening and because it brought up a lot of emotions, a lot of thoughts to, of course, 9-11. The headline we have is helicopter crashes into building in midtown Manhattan. We posted it on Monday, June the 10th, basically as it was going on. CNBC was our source for it, and the bump in response was 0.65%. So not a big jump in response, but enough to put this one slightly above in the four spot. Let's read a little bit from CNBC's website where the write-up, of course, got updated as we found more details on the issue. Its new headline was, One Dead After Helicopter Crash Lands on Roof of Midtown Manhattan Building. And the story reads like this. A helicopter crash landed Monday afternoon onto the roof of a building in midtown Manhattan and caught fire, authorities said. One person died in the crash of the Augusta A-109E helicopter, according to officials. The victim is presumed to be the pilot, according to New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, who also said there were no other known injuries. Thank God for that, de Blasio said. This could have been a much worse incident. Only the pilot was aboard the aircraft when it crashed just before 1.43 p.m. on top of 787 7th Avenue, a 51-story building located between West 35th and West 52nd Streets at the north and in at the north end of Times Square. A senior law enforcement official told NBC News that the pilot had dropped a passenger off at the West 34th Street helipad when he then took off and eventually flew into the roof of the building. Check out the uh, story for more details on what was happening and what was going on. This was a very scary incident for quite a few hours as no one knew what was going on. And as I said, the big thing that came to everybody's minds was a 9-11 situation. They knew it was a helicopter. They knew it went down. And on a day like that day, the ceiling and the visibility was extremely low. So there was no real reason for them to be flying inside of Manhattan. In fact, you're no longer allowed to fly helicopters inside Manhattan because of a horrific helicopter crash that happened, I believe, in the 70s. But because of that time, even though many buildings are built with helipads these days for just aesthetics mostly, uh, there's not very many helicopter landings on buildings inside of the city. Uh, more details as this thing comes out. Uh, they released the gentleman's name, but it's not here in this story. But you can find more details and go deeper into this by searching the story or checking out the link at the website. This is the conversation.com link for this week's podcast. The links are all inside this week's podcast page.
Our next story comes to us from USA Today, which is a big source of what we have going on here. And it was a interesting story, a very interesting read uh, with uh, a simple tweet. And we didn't put the tweet out, but we got the reaction that got even more people involved into the discussion. And here's the headline. Conor Gregor offers to host fight between Justin Bieber and Tom Cruise. Monday, June the 10th was posted. This was the highest rated Facebook story of the week. It gets a bumper response from the four story of 0.96%. Let's talk about Mr. McGregor and him, you know, doing a solid for Justin Bieber and Tom Cruise, at least potentially. Uh, I'm not going to go deep into the story. You can read the story by going to the link inside of this week's website. But there's a lot of things going on this week, entertainment sports-wise. And somehow, some way, Justin Bieber threatened uh, a threatened Tom Cruise to a fight on social media. And when that got picked up, because Conor McGregor, you know, the champion of UFC and mixed martial arts, decided he would do the man a favor, um, he said he'll hold it up. He'll sponsor it. He will find the place to do it. He will get trainers and set it up and everything. He was ready for it to happen. Justin Bieber sent one randomish tweet, and Conor McGregor picked up on it, and, of course, the world picked up on it. And so while there's no, there's probably no actual probably no actual fight going down. In fact, there was no real motivation behind the tweet other than, are you scared? Uh, we'll see how this thing plays out or if it's done. More likely, this is one that is done and probably done for a good reason. We now go to the number two story this week, and this one has a lot of people sick, literally sick and ill in this one. The headline for this reads, Some people say their lips have become swollen and covered in bumps after using lipstick created by YouTube YouTuber Jacqueline Hill. Business Insider is the source for the story. Wednesday, June the 12th, the day we posted it, and we got a bumper response of this one of 9.87%. Let's get you a few lines from this news story and then get on to the big one of the week. Just days after beauty YouTuber Jacqueline Hill was accused of selling damaged lipsticks, some customers are saying that they have experienced severe reactions after using the products from her namesake brand, Jacqueline Cosmetics. On Twitter, people have shared stories and photos that seemingly detailed their experiences using lipstick from the brand. While some said their lips have become swollen after applying the product, others said they'd experienced bumps and cold sores. Some said they've been prescribed medication to stop their symptoms. A customer named Christy Lynn told Insider that she attempted to purchase the entire range of Jaclyn Cosmetic lipsticks when it launched, but was able to only buy 10 shades as the rest were sold out quickly. Lynn said that once her package arrived, she noticed the shade, that girl, appeared to be packaged a little sideways, though the other nine appeared to be fine. After Lynn swatched the lipstick, it broke in half, she said. After applying the shade and wearing it for a few hours, Lynn noticed her arm and chin breaking out, she said. Lynn told Insider that when she swatched the 10 lipsticks on her wrist, her arm broke out in rashes and became itchy and red. She also said she noticed that her bottom lip was itchy, burning, and extremely swollen. A longtime fan of Hill, Lynn said she feels kind of sad after using lipsticks from the brand. She says she owns many of Hill's products and once had gone to see her at the mall in Tampa, Florida for a Morphe cosmetic ribbon cutting. Lynn said she was excited for Hill's lipsticks. Quote, she said she was working on these for a long time, so I just don't understand how she doesn't know what she puts, how, what she puts out, 
Lynn said. So it's a lot of stuff from this one listener, one um, respondent. And there's pictures. There's all sorts of weirdness. If you're into pictures of swollen lips, then this may be the thing for you. But this is another person that I have no idea who they are because they're a YouTuber. They're famous for uh, being an influencer, influencing things I don't care about, that being lipsticks. And I don't. I, well, I care about the story. The story is big. It makes you remember, you should always remember that the people you are dealing with and buying stuff from, their reputations should be on the lines. Sometimes they care about them. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they sell cheap products. We had the story a few weeks ago about JoJo Siwa's um, cosmetic lines being found to have asbestos in it. So you never really know who's building what for who and who's putting stuff into it. But this is one where a person who has influence on people, not sure how, is getting people to buy stuff and fund their lifestyle. But somehow, some way, the safety measures aren't all kept up. And we finally go to the number one story this week. The stats for this story start off like this. This gets a bump of response from the number two story of 99.71%. The number 10 story this week, a bump of response of 153%, that being the Navy being aware of the attacks on the tankers in Oman, in the Gulf of Oman. And for the number 213 story this week, with 213 distinct different postings for the week, it gets a bump of response of 2,895%. Not as high as some weeks, but pretty high when it's 100%, basically 100% higher than the number two story on its own. The headline is, Fox News host Laura Ingram mocked for telling viewers not to believe what Donald Trump just told her. We posted this story on Saturday, June the 8th, and the source is Newsweek. We'll read you a few lines from it, and then we will try to be commentary-free. Ha-ha. No, no, we actually won't. Fox News host Laura Ingram was the subject of online mockery Friday after a clip from her Thursday night show featuring the interview with President Donald Trump went viral. In the clip, Ingram told viewers that the interview conducted earlier in the day did not delay a ceremony in Normandy, France, commemorating the 75th anniversary of D-Day. The problem in said interview, Trump had told her that he was holding up the ceremony in order to conduct his latest interview with his favorite cable news network. Here's the quote. Some of you may have heard or read the President Trump held at, held up entire D-Day ceremony in order to do this interview with me, she told viewers on the Ingram Angle. That is patently false. Fake news, she added, referencing a phrase made popular by Trump. But former federal prosecutor Ronaldo Mariotti was among those to share the clip spice together with one of Trump telling Ingram just the opposite. Here's a quote from Trump in that clip. I'm holding him up because of this interview, but that's because of you, he said during the interview conducted in front of the backdrop of the graves that America's soldiers killed in World War II. It's not much left to the article, but you can see the clip and see some links to other bits and pieces that support or well, support whatever side you want to be on this thing. But it does describe the pool or the, the view from the press pool that it seemed like Trump was basically done with the thing by the time Macron was ready to go. So it wasn't a matter of Trump actually holding up the ceremony, but the ceremony was just because these things rarely start on time, oddly enough. Uh, Basically, he was running up maybe a little behind while the show was running a little behind and everything was working itself out in the process. As far as the commentary on Laura, uh, Laura Ingram uh, wanting you to um, basically believe her and not your lying eyes, this seems to be the 
seems to be just the way the operation works for the administration and oddly enough for the commentary guys on Fox News. Most of the news people, people reading the stories and doing the news stuff, aren't quite as embedded into the administration as Laura Ingram is, who basically is making uh, her third uh, life and living off essentially being another mouthpiece for the administration. But that also means a lot of whole, whole, whole lot of lies and innuendos and stuff like that being tossed out there in the process and just general crazy, stupid talk, which I believe most of what she has is general crazy, stupid talk. And this is me coming from a person who has done conservative talk radio, conservative talk and and speaks to, to people in that vein and have mad respect for the people who listen and for many of the people who do it every day, but not so much respect for the people who are literally milking off people's ignorance or lack of knowledge of things to lead them down paths that are pretty much obvious dead ends, but they're not obvious to them. And that's my thoughts on Laura Ingram where she should go. That's wherever you think she should. If you think she's on the good side, then um, you can complain about it and talk to me and we can fight this fight in the emails go to uh, my website this is the conversation.com or email me directly at the conversation inbox at gmail.com of course respond to things inside of social media as well this is a conversation on facebook th underscore conversation on twitter and as you follow along you see the stories stories like this one this is one you wanted to talk about for good or for ill you respond to it and becomes where it is. If I didn't say it, that was a top-rated Twitter story all by itself. And all by itself, it outranked everyone specifically. Coming up next, we'll go into the housekeeping and explain the whole tie thing, since we're having more of those coming up these days. And we'll go into story 213, the almost relevant story this week, which may be more relevant than you may believe. That's coming up next on The Wrap-Up Show with Jay Cleveland Payne with me, Jay Cleveland Payne. This is for the week ending June the 15th, 2019. Our spotlight sponsor this week is Cloud9 Living. They come up very often, and especially when it's time for gifts. Now, Father's Day is the day after this this thing is released so you probably don't think you have time to get your dad a very awesome gift well guess again because you can do it through cloud nine living cloud nine living offers up thousands of experiences golf outings those really cool or fast race car driving which are really cool if you're into fast race car driving or balloon races or fishing excursions or big expansive all sorts of things there's so many different excursions so many different experiences you can get through cloud nine living in so many places there's a place near you or far enough away that you want to go to wherever it is you want to go they have a place you can go do something whatever you want to do they have a place where you can go do it and they have a way to get a gift certificate instantly by buying it online and giving it to your dad and he can do whatever he wants with it whenever he wants with it and not only that if you bought him a current excursion and he wants to choose to upgrade or downgrade he can do it without any hassle and here's the real great thing Let's say he he's a typical dad and he gets this gift certificate and he forgets to use it for a while. And then all of a sudden he remembers he has it. Unlike many other gift certificates and many other gift packages, the value is never lost. So no matter how long it takes you to trade this thing in, 
it will always have its value. And you can cash it in anytime you need to for some other excursion. So if you are very, very late, like I am, on your big gift for your dad for Father's Day, we can take care of you right now. Go to our website. This is a conversation.com slash cloud nine. That's the numeral nine. This is a conversation.com slash cloud nine. We have a great deal off for get a little a bit extra off that gift certificate by at cloud nine living. So help us take care of you and help take care of us at the same time. Cloud nine living has been a sponsor with us since essentially the beginning of the actual podcast. And we have been so happy to partner with them all this time. And once you partner with them for this great gift, you will be happy and you'll get your excursions all the time from this great company, Cloud9 Living. Segment two is about housekeeping. And the first bit of housekeeping is segment two will probably still be about housekeeping but we're looking to expand back into the world of interviews and we're hoping to get some interviews set up this week so we can have them going by next week's podcast so back in the day the podcast was the top 10 which we just had the second segment was the interview that was playing the brackets game in a short interview that's what would be here and then the third segment was just randomish stories we're going to figure out how we're going to revamp all this stuff and get it in there we may go to a four segment inter- four segment podcast for a bit and that means we may go long and we'll figure that part as well so look out very soon we hope to be back into the interview game and if you think you want to be on an interview with us it allows you to Play what's called the Brackets Game. Check out some old interviews, some old episodes that have a name beside them. They have an interview segment inside there. Or just inquire. You want to talk to the audience? It's that simple. It's really that simple. Now, as far as the actual housekeeping with things that happen that need to be explained, this week we're doing another tie explanation. The tie was right at the stop of the actual countdown, which is the bottom of the top ten list. For this week... It was not so much a hard tie. Last time we had a tie, it literally was you add the Facebook and the Twitter numbers together, and it was a complete total tie. And the big tiebreaker on that one was, was basically the timing. What we decided to do this time, and it didn't actually even matter, is to change the definition of how we're going to break our ties. We still are sorting the, the, the entities by total numbers and by Facebook engagement. And last time we had a tie, the total numbers, or I'm sorry, the the total numbers and the Facebook engagement were exactly the same. And so the only thing that would have really broken the the thing up was the dates that they were posted. What we're going to do from now on for our ties is we're going to let the younger story, the newer story, be the number one story if it goes that far because that younger story got to the same presence granted the same amount of votes as the older story with obviously less time this time it didn't work that way the facebook engagement for the story about um perrette saying that she didn't want to go back to ncis over the navy in the the attack in the gulf of oman the facebook engagement was 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 about uh, three times as much than the twitter than than the um engagement of the other story so what happened on that one was the facebook numbers there were the Facebook numbers aren't, aren't so much in there, not the actual raw impression data, but how many people actually engaged with it, how many people actually did stuff with it, as opposed to just how many times it showed up in the feed, were just that much higher. And we chose Facebook just 
because we had to choose one. The Twitter numbers can go so big and get so conflated so quickly that it seemed like the Facebook engagement because you can do so many things to engage with things. You can reply. You can do different types of of likes, loves, and all that stuff. Uh, that was the choice there. So if ever a tie happens, if ever the total numbers with the weighting of the Facebook and the Twitter impressions that pop up happens, the next step is to sort it by Facebook impressions. And if that ties up, which it happened last week, there's a perfect tie of both levels, we go to the now the newer story. So that's how we're going to do for now on in that part. So now the housekeeping is done. Let's get to the almost irrelevant story this week. And this one may turn out to be a bigger deal than people think. The general corporate to these things being almost irrelevant or very low is they're posted somewhere between late Thursday and early Friday. And because of whatever is in the cycle, doesn't get a lot of response to what's going on. And this is what happened as well. Something happened middle day Thursday and we got posted into our feed late, very late Friday morning. But this, as I said, this is an actual pretty important story. Let me read you the headline we posted. Let me read you the headline from the updated story, then read the bits from the story. The source is Yahoo News, and like we said, posted on Friday, June the 14th. Headline that was posted for you to react to was, Indicted GOP Congressman's Wife Pleads Guilty to Corruption in California. Now, if you saw the actual line, the name for the link, it may have clued you into a bit more of what was going deep into the story. And the headline for that one happens to be a bit more racy, and that is, California Representative Hunter's wife may have flipped on him in corruption case. Yeah. Let me read you a few lines from the story. As we said, it's pulled from Yahoo News. Uh, Yahoo's correspondent actually wrote the story for, exclusively for their service. When Representative Duncan Hunter R. California was indicted in August of 2018 on 60 criminal counts of alleging that he spent more than $250,000 in campaign donations on luxury trips, tequila shots, Costco shopping sprees and other personal items, his first reaction was to blame his wife. Quote, she handled my finances, unquote, said Hunter, 42. He said at the Fox News last year, more from him. She was also the campaign manager, so whatever she did, that'll be looked at too. But I didn't do it. I didn't spend any of that money illegally. Now Margaret Hunter may be getting her revenge, and as a result, she could help a Democrat replace her husband in Congress. Initially, Margaret Hunter, 44, followed her husband's lead and pleaded not guilty to all charges. She was indicted last summer alongside him. But on Thursday morning, she shocked the political world by appearing on a federal court in San Diego and reversing course, pleading guilty to one charge of conspiracy to use campaign funds for a 2015 family vacation to Italy and attesting that $200,000 in fraudulent spending involving at least 30 illegal transactions. Here is her statement. Early this morning, I entered a guilty plea before the United States District Court. In doing so, I have fully accepted responsibility for my conduct. I am deeply remorseful and I apologize. I am saddened for the hurt I have caused my family and others. I understand that there will be more consequences stemming from my actions, but as demonstrated this morning with the entry of my plea, I have taken the first step to face those consequences. And this was a 22-page plea agreement. And in that, Hunter uh, promised to testify before any trial or post-trial proceedings, quote, as deemed necessary by the government, unquote, and to tell federal and state law enforcement agencies and attorneys, agents and attorneys, everything she knows about the case. 
Provided she continues to cooperate, she will face a reduced set of charges and recommendations of leniency on sentencing. There you go. So um, Donald Trump would probably get big on this one. Apparently someone got a plea. Someone was a rat. Someone flipped. And because that's what rats do. And maybe Margaret is um, stepping out on Duncan in more than one way by making him the fall guy for what is essentially his problem. Because if he is the man in the campaign, not the campaign manager, he's in charge of everything. And the buck should stop with him. We'll see what this works out and whether the fact that he gets yanked from Congress or not will help his career or just put him quicker on the path to just being a flat-out cheat line baller. We'll see how that works out. We'll also see how it works out with our shout-outs and a mere moments and what stories in the top 15 didn't quite make it into the top 10. We'll talk about those and maybe why in just a minute here on The Wrap-Up Show with Jay Cliffin Payne for the week ending June the 15th, 2019. This week we're putting a spotlight on a very special podcast. We, I think they're all very special, but this one is one that may learn you something about your business and maybe your podcasting as a side hustle or real business because it's from Side Hustle Pro. And Side Hustle Pro is hosted by Side Hustler and now prominent business person. Her name is Nikayla Matthews Okome. And what she did was she turned her side hustle, and that was her promotions and her podcast, into a real-time business helping people grow their podcasts and grow their businesses and get on the better end, just in general and in podcasting specifically. So if you wanted to hear from other side hustlers doing good things, some doing not so good things, not so great things, and how to learn from other people's experience, check out Side Hustle Pro. Side Hustle Pro is a great podcast for just getting information on people doing business and people trying their best to get their business done. Look for Side Hustle Pro essentially anywhere your pods are cast because she is everywhere. And look for their brand new website launching soon. There's the, the the new image and the listing of things that are on the way. They're in the midst of a rebranding and a rebuilding of a new podcast or a new website, should say. And that's going to be at SideHustlePro.co. C-O. So remember that. Go to SideHustlePro.co and get more details as they are released. And, of course, look for the podcast Side Hustle Pro. P-R-O, anywhere you want to get your podcast from because it's a great podcast to get onto. You'll learn a lot and you may discover a kindred spirit or a sister friend if that's what you're in the mood for. It is a great podcast nonetheless. It is Side Hustle Pro, so check it out. That's this week's conversational podcast we're spotlighting today. And now it's time to get the shout-outs in for this week, coming up with Facebook and Twitter shout-outs. And coming very soon, we'll have our outside patron shout-outs. So all the people who are sponsoring us on Patreon, we'll probably just do it on a, on a monthly basis at the beginning of the month when we have everything settled. But we'll hear a listing of people who have reached out and pledged to help keep this thing going on. So if you want to be uh, spotlighted in the Patreon part as a as a supporter in the shout outs, just go to patreon.com slash 
this is a conversation or click the link at the top of the link for this week's conversation podcast inside of the website main website of course this is a conversation.com starting off with the twitter shout outs today and for twitter extra love to those who gave a little extra response inside of their twitter responses twitter love if you will going out to armando Roberio, lee j john gorman anna rosdowski that's a long comment she dropped in there uh, more stuff from Jack Preston King, also Giuliana De Gregorio and Jay Thompson, and a quick line going out to Nugru1011. Not sure what that means, but she's in there, or he's in there, so thank you so much for giving us love on the Twitter this week. For Facebook, love going out to Vicki Young, Ruthann Miller, also Natalie Pierre, uh, Ruthann Miller again because I can't read very well, Derek Jones, Deborah Lee, Scott also to Arkansas Peace and Justice Memorial Movement for sharing some of our articles out there. Thank you so much for that one. And quick love to Olivia Hayes, Walter Kevin Gibson, and the MRD Podcast. So let's get on with it, shall we? It's time for rounding out the top 15. That's where we go through the stories from 11 to 15, stories that were in range but not quite hot enough to make it into the first segment, the top 10 segment. And starting off the story at the number 11 spot, this is a heartwarming story, and this is one that, that gets all in the feels. We pulled it from USA Today and posted it on Friday, June the 7th. The headline we have is, Gymnast Overcomes Severe Knee Injuries Walks Down the Aisle. A few lines from that story. When Auburn gymnast Sam Serio began the road to recovery from severe knee injuries sustained on a tumbling pass gone awry in April 5th, she had one goal in mind walking down the aisle at her wedding. On June 1st, less than two months after she had surgery and in front of the friends and family gathered at the Fair Hope Yacht Club, Serio accomplished her goal of making it to the altar without a scooter, walker, or crutches. Serio was confident she'd be able to walk independently at her wedding after walking across the stage to receive her degree in aerospace engineering in May, but knowing that she, quote, was able to stand up on her own feet and able to walk around and walk down the aisle, unquote, made a big day feel, more quotes, the whole lot sweeter, she told USA Today Sports. Check out the link inside of our podcast for this week. It's there. You go to our website, thisconversation.com. Click on this week's podcast, and the links for all the stories we covered are here. You can see the pictures from her Instagram of her walking down the aisle on her very beautiful day, her very special day. Congratulations for the recovery, and congratulations, of course, for the wedding. We hope many great things are coming down the line for that couple the story in the number 11 spot the headline was kind of skewered because we just kind of posted it quickly but it is marked the end of an era in the nba as today we mark or last night we marked beginning of a new era where the first team out of the united states that's being the toronto raptors are now nba championships first time in a franchise first time out of the nation or out of the United States part of the nation, we have the ending of a career that's been very, very successful. Spurs legend Tony Parker retiring from NBA after 18 seasons. This was pulled from the Hornets News uh, clutchpoints.com website, uh, which uh, is uh, a, a 
website that deals with basketball news. Of course, Tony Parker, a few seasons ago, left the San Antonio Spurs because that's what happens. You get kind of old. You're not a part of the real seasoning that's making things work out. And other people get to rebuild with you, borrow you for a little bit in your greatness while your team rebuilds around its own new nucleus. Some of the same issues that sent Kawhi Leonard from the Spurs to the Raptors is a part of this deal. But Tony Parker, after 18 years, the Frenchman um, is leaving the NBA to go do whatever it is he's going to do. So we will see how that works out for him. And for the rest of us, we are going to lose a great player. But, you know, at some point in time, you know, everyone loses a few steps. And Tony Parker at this point decides to call it a career after 18 seasons. 18 seasons is a nice long career for an NBA player. One of the more odder stories of the year was the fact that Kim Jong-un had his half-brother, Kim Jong-nam, killed by some lady who spread poison on his face at an airport. The story gets a little bit weirder here with this headline. Kim Jong-un's half-brother, Kim Jong-nam, was a CIA informant. This was posted on Monday, June the 10th, and just as it says... Kim Jong-nam was essentially being used, whether wittingly or unwittingly, whether he was actually providing very good intel or just general intel on North Korea and his brother because he was a certified registered agent and asset of the CIA. Now, none of the stuff that worked out to this is all that exciting, if you will. Uh, But that was probably part of the reason why um, he was a target and assassinated. We know that any enemy of the great leader in North Korea is essentially on a has a target on their back, on their face, wherever, and that's essentially what happened here. Now, what made the story even weirder is the fact that um, Donald Trump weighed in on it. And I don't think he weighed in on it. Um, I don't think he initially weighed in on it because he was he was poked at it but it did turn into something that became a talking point that kept being reiterated over and over again and he did say in an interview that or might have been in a press conference essentially Kim Jong-un wrote him another nice letter we talked about those letters all the time and that he assured Kim Jong-un that this would not have happened if Trump were in charge and we're a bit confused on what happened what would not happen was he'd be a CIA agent which is kind of weird but there you have it this story was sourced by Daily Beast, as we said, posted on Monday, June the 10th, and it was, yeah, it got, it makes the whole initial story that much more bonkers. Moving on to the story at the 14th spot, here's the headline we posted. At least six college basketball programs will be notified of major NCAA violations by this summer. CBSSports.com, the source for this story, and it was posted on Wednesday, June the 12th. We'll go ahead and read you a few lines from this story. Coming out of Orlando, at least six Division I men's basketball programs will receive notices of allegations of Level I violations from the NCAA by this summer, stemming from a federal government recently completed investigation of the sport, top NCAA official told CBS Sports. Stan Wilcox, NCAA's Vice President of Regulatory Affairs, said two high-profile programs would receive notices of allegations by early July. The remaining four would be rolled out later in the summer in what was described as a wave of NCAA investigations meant to clean up major college basketball. Quote, there's even another group of cases that we're still working on, Wilcox said. 
The main thing is that we're up and ready. We're moving forward, and you'll see consequences. Uh, go to the website and click on the link to get deeper details on what's going on and in a way of some of those consequences. Uh, some of them out there are kind of rumored of which ones they are, so we'll figure out what they are. Coming up in a few weeks, it looks like the two major ones up front and then the other four and then whatever comes down the line from there. Uh, with the NBA wrapping up its season last night and the NBA draft coming up this week, uh, a lot of people who may be targets these things, the young draft picks and the people who are going going to the league, uh, will be more or less out of the clear of anything that may have happened under their tenure. But that doesn't mean it's not going to ripple back down to what's going on. NCAA basketball is a big deal and a big moneymaker for this nation. So we'll see if it becomes something that's that much of a problem. But for the most part, we know that there will be some allegations coming down. And they're, they're advertising big schools. We'll see how well that advertisement reacts to whatever comes down. And the last story is a very sad story sneaking in in the number 15 spot. That's just one of those oddities that just sort of happens you don't know how it happens but this is one that's worth talking about because it's in the top 15 but not worth talking i guess that much about because it is at 15 the headline lightning strike motorcyclist in florida causing his crash and death posted from usa today and we pulled it and posted it on june the 10th of this week a few lines from this story and out of declan florida Authorities in Florida say lightning struck a motorcyclist on a Florida interstate causing a crash and his death. Florida Highway Patrol tells news outlets that the lightning strike hit the driver Sunday afternoon as he rode south on Interstate 95, cracking the 45-year-old's now-burning helmet and sending him off the roadway. He was pronounced dead at the scene in east-central Florida. Florida troopers say an off-duty Virginia State trooper witnessed the lightning strike and its aftermath. WOGX-TV says authorities confirmed the motorcyclist was a 45-year-old from Charlotte, North Carolina. His identity has not been released. Being fatally struck by lightning while riding a motorcycle is rare, but not unprecedented, according to John Jensensius, a meteorologist with the National Lightning Safety Council. Ten lightning fatalities related to motorcycles have been reported since 2006. In several of those cases, however, he added that the rider was not on the motorcycle when they were struck. So that's a, an oddity because you know that if you're in case there's a thunderstorm, the thing to do is to get inside of a car because if thunder or lightning, thunder doesn't do anything, if lightning hits the car, although the car is made out of metal, uh, the tires, insulation will keep you safe from any sort of damage from, from the lightning. Being out in the open, you can get struck by lightning and it will hurt. Being inside the car should shield you. Here, the driver was literally driving down the road, struck by lightning in the helmet, and he died, as we said from the listings there. Not unprecedented, still uncommon. And unfortunately, it's not uncommon we wrap these days up like this. So that's how we're done for today on a story just like this that didn't get quite enough response to get into the big top ten. But maybe next week you can do something sort of a similar story. And it's very simple to get in on the action. Just follow us on social media. We are also on Instagram at This Is The Conversation, but you can't really vote on that one. On Facebook, look for This Is The Conversation. And on Twitter, we are TH underscore conversation. As the news stories come down your feed every 50 minutes or so, like them, love them, hate their show, just engage with the stories. And the more engagement they get, the higher the, the impressions go because more people see them and more 
numbers come into the top 10 and all the way down to this week to 13. We'll count them down exactly as you wanted to count them down, the best and then the not so best. To be a part of the conversation offline, simply email me at the conversation inbox at gmail.com or conversate through the website this is a conversation.com. The most important things I need you to do because it's all about engagement is number one, visit any of our sponsors, but make sure you check out our, our sponsor we're showcasing this week, and that of course is Cloud9 Living, especially if you've got to get that dad's day gift like today and check out the spotlight on the on the podcast this week that being side hustle pro we also need you to make sure you're making sure we're having great conversations by bringing more people into the conversations you can do that very simply Uh, make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss out on any episodes and then share it with everyone else in the world literally every person out there friends lovers enemies, random people on the street. They love it when you walk up to them and ask them about their podcast choices and inform them that there's this podcast called The Wrap-Up Show that they really should be checking out. And in fact, you can help them out by taking their phone out of their hands and subscribing to the podcast for them and then hit and play and you know let them check it out. They'll look at you weird because they're just so enthralled by the great conversation starters we have in this podcast. When they just start to look at you with that little weird twinge, just walk down the street and go to the next stranger and and repeat and trust me we'll get everybody in this thing in no time more information about my other projects can be found at jclevenpain.net and you can email me directly and complain about that as well at jclevenpain at gmail.com don't forget about our new patreon link so you can help us support this whole spang it is patreon.com slash this is conversation and i thank you for advance for just appreciating just appreciating you considering doing that and i thank you profusely right now for listening to the show being a part of the conversation being engaged with what's going on and just being good people who are trying to keep an eye on what's going on in general not just what's stuck on the chirons every single day because yes there are news people who go to pluck out the right best good stories that you need to know about there's also a lot of things that get kind of left on the side that it's glad a chance to see and learn and see what other people are thinking that way. So thank you so much for making this thing happen. It does not happen without you. And we'll see you again next week as we count down another batch of stories from 10 to 1 that you say are the most important news stories to talk about on the span from Friday to Friday. That's on The Wrap Up Show with me, Jay Cleveland Payne, brought to you by The Conversation Project and this is Conversation.com. <laughs>